had the perfect career, at least on paper, and you pretty much had everything except for your happiness and your fulfillment. And what if you had spent the majority of your life in this field, working your way up step by step, promotion by promotion, until you got to the pinnacle, the top of what you were able to do in that field, and you should feel happy and fulfilled, yet you don't. What would you do? Would you quit? Would you go looking elsewhere, even though everybody would think you're crazy for giving up such an awesome opportunity? That's the story of today's guest. His name is Jason Havey, and you may know him as the COO, the Chief Operating Officer of Onnit Labs, an internationally recognized health and wellness brand. And yes, it's that Onnit. The Onnit with Aubrey Marcus and Joe Rogan and all the other great people who are part of that brand who either work at Onnit or represent Onnit. Jason has an incredible story of how he went from spending 16 years in the hotel industry, starting from the very bottom and working his way up to general manager for Hilton and Sheridan, to realizing it wasn't what he really wanted. And that began Jason's journey to where he is now, working with Onnit. And if you haven't heard of Onnit Labs, Onnit is just blowing up. They not only sell supplements and food and workout equipment, but they also have a portion where they're investing in yoga and flotation tanks. And Onnit is such an incredible brand that people want to work there literally for free just to be around that environment. And we talk with Jason about how Onnit has created this culture and what they're into, this whole idea of total human optimization. And Jason is going to pull back the curtains and give you an insider look into the culture at Onnit, as well as how they come up with ideas to continue to innovate and to further their reach into different areas of health and fitness and more. You're also going to hear a crazy story about how Jason reached out to Aubrey Marcus after an incredible experience in South America, in the jungles of South America, on a shamanic retreat. So I want you to keep an open mind when Jason tells his story, because you're going to hear about ayahuasca, which is a religious sacrament to some tribes in South America. It's also known as a hallucinogen, an entheogen. And Jason talks about that experience and how it caused him to make a major shift in his life. You're going to learn how to get clear on your path, what really makes a difference in your life, what you really get excited about. You're also going to learn what one of the fastest growing health and wellness brands is doing to become successful and create a culture that, like I mentioned earlier, just attracts people to the point where they want to work there for free. So if you're a business owner, if you're an employee, we talk about the future of business and what the culture is going to look like and what people want and why money isn't everything. So get ready for this interview with Jason Havey. Jason Havey, welcome to the Legendary Life Podcast. Ted, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, man. And this is going to be our third conversation. We talked on the phone. We hooked up for an interview. I was on your show. Now you're on mine. And man, you have such a great story. You were in the corporate world and now you've gotten your dream job and you told me the story of how that happened and I'm not going to, I'm just going to allude to it right now, but I was like blown away how that happened and you're doing so many cool things and your story was just so amazing. I knew I had to have you on the show. So really looking forward to diving in and to talking about some of the things that we've been talking about on your show and on our phone call. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, and we'll get into it in depth, but it's just like the the search for the legendary life, right? And a lot of times it does not take a straight path, and it certainly didn't take a straight path in my case. Yeah, and just so you know, Jason is currently the COO of Onnit Labs, the Onnit that is blowing up everywhere with their supplements, their workout equipment, their their workout education, Matt Pack's friend John Wolf. I mean, Aubrey Marcus is the CEO, just so many people connected to Onnit. You guys work with a lot of influencers. So you're just blowing up, but you have this story about where you come from because you weren't always in this amazing position in like one of the best companies you could work for with your grand epic beard that you have right now because it wouldn't (laughs) fly in your previous industry. Can you talk about the journey that you went through to get to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in the hotel industry. My mom was an executive housekeeper. And when I say I grew up in the industry, literally I grew up in the industry. My very first job was as a housekeeper working for my mom. And, uh, you know, when you work for your mom, they don't necessarily have to obey the labor laws. And so I was working pretty hard from a young age, cleaning rooms, and it was in my blood. And when I first struck out on my own, I decided that I was going to you know, be 21 years old and open my own brokerage. And I got my real estate license and my health and life insurance licenses and my series six and 63. So I could sell mutual funds and variable annuities. And then I learned the painful lesson that a lot of times people don't like to trust their life insurance decisions to a 21 year old with very little experience. And that lesson came pretty hard and fast. And so I decided that I was going to do what I knew and start working in a hotel until I could make enough sales in real estate to really finance myself. And it wasn't more than a week after I got back into hotels that uh, it was in my blood and it, it wasn't going to get out. And so my entire career, 17 years was in the hotel industry. And I love that industry because there was something new every day. Essentially, you can think of managing a hotel like you're the mayor of a small city, but your constituents change every day. And so somebody's guaranteed to be happy, sad, hurt, crazy, upset at every moment of every day. And and there's, there's something about the allure of a 24-7 business like that where you're running restaurants and rooms. And managing that chaos is such a great way to learn how to run business because If it's going to happen, it's going to happen in a hotel. And I really, truly loved the business. And what I thought was my dream job at that time was to run the nicest hotel in the city I grew up in, which was Madison, Wisconsin. And so I achieved that goal. I worked really hard at it. And I became the general manager of the Hilton Madison Monona Terrace. It's connected to the convention center. It's a block off the Capitol. It's a beautiful hotel in Madison. And I achieved my dream job at a relatively young age. And I felt pretty good about that. For a while, I thought, well, okay, I'm going to be here forever. But there was something gnawing at me. And I think the listeners can probably appreciate this is there was something inside me that just knew that there was something else for me to do. And I was still don't think, even though I had found my dream job, I don't think I had found my dream, you know, and who I was. And that that really ate at me because even at a young age, I had done everything from Tony Robbins seminars to Buddhist readings, anything I could do to help try and figure out what was going on in that brain. Because there's that that myth that I thought was true at the time when I was younger that we only use 10% of our brains and the rest happens subconsciously or, or unconsciously. And I wanted to get in touch with that. I wanted to figure that out because there's a lot of things in my life that I couldn't understand why I would do or habits that I would have or why I'd be upset or fearful or self-doubt or all those things that we have. And in doing that, I had come to the realization that I had to make some changes in my life. And one of the big changes was that I quit drinking. I really loved drinking Heineken, and but I realized that uh, as I got older, it had a harsher and harsher effect on me. And after I quit drinking, I happened upon during a night where uh, I was going down a YouTube hole, I happened to find a podcast 
that was on YouTube with Joe Rogan and Aubrey Marcus, where they were talking about ayahuasca. And for those of you that don't know, ayahuasca is a medicine that is traditionally brewed in South America. A lot of people would consider it a hallucinogenic drug, but down there it's used as medicine. And when I heard Aubrey talking about it, I didn't know who Aubrey was at the time. I was, I was like, that's it. That's what I've been looking for. That's how I can touch those parts of my brain that I was never able to touch. And from there, I started uh, actively learning as much as I could about ayahuasca. And it wasn't four months later, I was actually in Peru in the middle of the Amazon with Amazonian shaman in the about an hour outside of Iquitos, which is the largest city in the world, not connected by a road. And I was in ceremony doing ayahuasca. And I, it was a life-changingly good decision for me because I had a calling for that. And I saw things and felt things and really was able to touch that thing that I was looking for. And what I discovered overall, and I could talk for hours about what happened in Peru, but I'll boil it down to one thing. I realized that I needed freedom and that in my current position, speaking specifically with work, that I didn't have that freedom. I didn't have freedom to say whatever I wanted to say, or like you mentioned, the beard, or I didn't have location freedom. I didn't really have physical freedom because, you know, I was in the working for the best hotel brand in the world, in my opinion, Hilton. But still, it was a very stuffy atmosphere, as you would expect uh, Hilton to be. And that's when I went, started hunting. And coincidentally enough, when I was one of the visions I had while I was down there was that I needed to introduce Aubrey Marcus to the shaman, almost like a, a thank you for introducing me to ayahuasca. And I didn't know how to get in touch with Aubrey, so I started following him on social media and sent a bunch of emails to any email address I thought might be his, amarcus at onit.com and marcus at onit.com, all of those, and sent my email and wiped my hands with it, figure I had fulfilled my duty. But because I was following him on social media, one thing led to another, and I had commented on a post, and he had replied to me, and eventually we Skyped. And wow. started talking and formed a relationship. And during that relationship, during those conversations, essentially what it boiled down to is he didn't have a role for me, but he got along. We resonated well and said that if something comes up, he would let me know. And two short weeks later, he made the decision that it was time for a chief operating officer and he gave me the call. I know I'm giving you kind of a long story about how I got there, but it was interesting how that happened because then once... I got to on it, I did introduce him to that shaman. And so paradoxically, it didn't happen linearly, but achieved what I both what I needed and what I felt I needed to do. Yeah. And you say it's the long story, but that's what this show is about hearing all the details of what happened. And first of all, I've heard that story, but not completely. And like, many of the people listening, it's completely crazy in a way, it you is, know, for sure. yeah. but before we talk about the ayahuasca and what happened, I want to go back to something you said, you were working in your dream job, but you hadn't found your dream. So I want you to go a little deeper into that because you grew up in the hotel industry, the hospitality industry, literally, as you said, you achieved the highest level of uh, running a hotel, which is unbelievable. I used to work at a hotel, the Eden Rock Resort and Spa, which was bought by Marriott. I knew the general manager, Tim Nardi, and saw what he had to do, even though I was just a personal trainer, but I paid attention to it. So you were the GM of the best Hilton in Madison, Wisconsin. And can you take us back to what happened? You were the man at that place, at the best hotel in the capital of Wisconsin. But what exactly led to you wanting a change? Was it that you realized you didn't really want this? Or was it just you had accomplished something and now it was time to move on? Can you explain a bit there? Yeah, yeah. 
it's interesting because I still love that job so much. And if it wasn't for on it, I would still be there. And I think so highly of Hilton. And coincidentally, the uh, management company I worked for is Marcus Hospitality, Marcus Hotels and Resorts. And now I work for Aubrey Marcus. So there's an interesting synergy there too. But what I realized is that I had hit the pinnacle of where I wanted to be in hospitality. And I had gotten my dream job for that industry. But I also realized that one day I was going to wake up and be 50. One day I was going to wake up and be 60. And what really sealed it for me is my mentor in the hospitality business is a guy named John Archibald. He was from he was from Scotland and he was the best general manager I had ever ever seen. And I went to his retirement party and I had taken over for him uh, two hotels pr- previously. And so I went to his retirement party and there's 40 of his closest friends there and they gave him a fond farewell and there was a cake and I think you know the the company gave him the obligatory gold watch and I remember sitting there thinking man this retirement party is not his legacy his legacy was all the people he touched and he taught and it made me realize that sometimes you know, you you think of an end point, but really all the change that he made was during his journey and how exponential his effect on the world was because of people like me, who he helped me grow into who I was. And, and there was thousands of people with that same story. And it made me realize the power of the individual. And my thought was that that if that's already growing exponentially. It's like that drop of water. The bigger you can start that drop, the further out the waves go. And if I really wanted to make a positive impact on the world, I couldn't let the stage ever outgrow me. And my thought was, if this is my dream job, I am going to wake up at 60 and I'm still going to be on the same stage. And there was just a driving force deep in my mind that just could not allow that to happen. And it wasn't an egotistical, narcissistic, or self-centric thing. It was very altruistic and subservient to some greater good that I knew was out there. And so that's what really compelled me to want to do something bigger. But to do something bigger, I couldn't do it within the confines of being a Hilton general manager. I needed the freedom, but it, it, that's a very tricky freedom, right? Because typically the confines get tighter and more political the higher you get. Right. And one one thing I saw in on it is that you have a CEO that's openly talking about whatever he wants to talk about on his podcast, and that was really admirable to me. And he was he was talking about things that other CEOs don't talk about. He was talking about plant medicines and, and he was talking about his own journeys and struggles. And I knew that was the company that I needed to work for because if I could work it on it, I could do my podcast that I've always wanted to do. I could do stand up comedy. I could do all of those things along with advancing in my career. And what I think and what I hope is happening is that the paradigm is shifting. It's manifesting itself in ways where that is the new generation of CEO and transparency and authenticity is being valued over uh, buttoned up and sealed corporate culture. And I wanted to be as close to the tip of the spear as I could be on that. And I think that's what I, I received with on it. Yeah. Incredible story. And one thing that you and I talked about on our phone call, and I want to get into the ayahuasca, but I don't want to lose track of what we're talking about now because it's so important. And it is this shift in consciousness, shift in value, shift in expectations. Man, you know, I have worked and know some old school business guys it's not that I don't have respect for them, but that to me seems like death, right? Just yeah. killing who I am, conforming, not being able to, like you said, not being able to grow a beer, not being able to say what you want, not being able to share the things that are actually going on in your life 
for fear that it may affect you negatively. You may get fired. You may get demoted. You may not be able to work in another place. And now you're, like you said, there's this shift. Can you talk about that and how on it is exemplary of that shift in consciousness that's happening? The one thing that I can't praise the internet enough. I think the internet has forced a revolution in how society works. It's allowed everyone to essentially have the summation, access to the summation of all human knowledge in a device in their pocket. With that level of knowledge comes a greater level of education to the society. And with that education comes a much higher BS detector, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And with that, you see the people now, I feel very lucky that I got to experience a good chunk of my youth without the internet because I've been able to see the transition. But now what you're starting to see is people in the workforce that have never known life without the internet. And those folks are have a much different mindset. They want things to be smooth. They want things to be transparent. They want people to be authentic. And all the BS gets cut out. If you're not truly authentic, people are nowadays are starting to think, well, they must be deceiving us. And that level of transparency has actually also created an appreciation for the uniqueness of the individual. So that's the real beautiful breakthrough that I think is happening is now it's okay to be flawed as long as you're not deceptive about your flaws. It's okay to be who you are. And in fact, that is a higher value proposition than trying to assimilate these days. And so with Onnit, what I think is happening, because Onnit's a a very unique company. There's very few supplement companies that you would see that start selling fitness, unconventional fitness equipment or foods or move into yoga or float tanks or all the other stuff that we're doing. And people are wearing the apparel for style. So we've become almost an apparel company too. And that's because people genuinely believe in the brand. And that's led by Aubrey and It's because you see people like Aubrey or John Wolf are customer facing, accessible and completely transparent, both in their flaws and in their strengths. Yeah. And man, it's just an exciting time to to be alive in that way. However, I know that there is someone listening right now. In fact, I've spoken to several of the listeners, either on the phone or through email And they're working for a Hilton or a Sheridan, maybe not the hospitality business, but the equivalent in their industry. And they feel they're gravitated to this podcast in part because this is the alternative. This is the awakening of consciousness, not just what I'm doing, but what you're doing, Jason, with your show, Spinning Logic, with what Aubrey Marcus is doing with a, a lot of the Silicon Valley guys, when you go to Google, they have nap pods, not because they're trying to be novel or weird or quirky, but they realize like, Hey, we need to take care of people. We, we don't just beat them with a stick and, and to get them to work more hours. Let's have them nap for 20 minutes or whatever, because they're going to come back and be more productive. It's this embracing of not just the authenticity and transparency, like you said, but also of like a new operating system, utilizing the science and putting it into play. If someone wanted to leave what they're doing and go search for a company like that, I don't know if I would tell him to take ayahuasca and start because the the CEO said he did and do that. What uh, to go along your path, but what could you say to that someone who's perhaps struggling with the same thing that you were struggling with in the hotel industry? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I would not recommend that they go do ayahuasca either unless they hear about ayahuasca and somewhere in their brain they say, just like I did, oh, that's it. That's what I've been looking for. Because ayahuasca has a way of calling you or somewhere in your brain you knew you needed it. If you're not feeling that, don't don't go do ayahuasca. I have a much better and closer to home solution. There's a couple different modalities that you can use to get your mind straight. 
namely meditation, yoga, or my favorite by far and away is sensory deprivation tanks or a float tank. Float tanks are getting very big across the country. And ultimately, I guess what I'm trying to say, and I could talk about float tanks for an hour or two, but is you need to really just do a self-assessment. And as much time as you can spend with yourself figuring that out, the answers, you don't have to find the answers. The answers will find you. You just have to clear all the clutter in your brain that you're going through every day when you have 117 emails and you have 14 people waiting for you and there's a bunch of voicemails to listen to and you got a meeting coming up. We in our society now have been so overloaded with sensory input that if you can get that out of the way, either through meditation or floating or even even yoga, you'll start to come up with the logical answer. And a lot of times for the people that I talk to, they'll say, you know, that's something I felt like I knew all along. I just didn't take enough time to really assess what I needed. Because from there, what your mind essentially starts to do is that 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 hedgehog concept or the Venn diagram, right, where you match up, you get the bubbles of what am I good at? What can I make money at? And what do I love doing? And wherever those three circles cross each other, find a way to do that, whatever that is in the middle. And uh, sometimes that can still be elusive, but at least now you have something that's top of mind awareness. So when you do come across something that fits that mold, it's going to trigger in your mind. And then you're going to be drawn to it, just like I was with On It. On It wasn't first thing on my brain. It wasn't the 10th thing on my brain. But when it did come up, it was very obvious to me that uh, I should pursue it. You felt that feeling that's almost hard to put into words. That's uh, almost like when you know in, you're in love, right? You just mm. know that you are and you know that there was a connection between you and Aubrey and what on it does and what it stands for and the amount of authenticity and transparency that goes on. And you knew you'd be able to flourish and be yourself and have the word that you used freedom to do all that without any negative repercussions. I'll add to that one other thing. I think it's a fallacy that we have five senses because without a doubt, we have a sixth sense and that is intuition. And our intuition might be combined with or be a amalgamation of several things. It could be past experience, DNA, observational skills, but everybody's had that those intuitive moments. And I don't think we spend enough time honing what our intuition is because you know, when you have that feeling where you're like, I, I have a really good feeling about this guy or this situation. One thing that meditation will help you do is start to get in touch with that sense. And that's why I encourage everybody to float because sensory deprivation takes away your other five senses. So just like if you were blind, you'd have better hearing and smelling ability. When you float more, you will almost certainly feel a higher level of intuitive sense. And with that intuition, you're more likely to find what you're looking for. Yeah, well stated. And obviously, you can Google flotation tanks. On it is involved in promoting flotation tanks in, in areas where you can get them. I don't want to get down that rabbit hole today, Jason. Perhaps we can have you have back and talk more on those things today. I want to keep it about your story and your experience. I think it's so fascinating. It would. I don't want to lose that on this interview today by taking a tangent. So you regularly do flotation tanks. What if someone wanted to try meditation or flotation? What would you recommend them to do? How would they find an on it flotation or any flotation device or tank? And what about meditation? What would you recommend there? Yeah, well, and and as far as floating, the vast majority of uh, float tanks don't have anything to do with on it. So I'm, it's definitely not a sales pitch. Just almost every big city has a, a uh, float center go in you, almost always the person behind the counter floats a lot so they're going to be very chill and they're going to be glad to help and teach you and give you some tips about floating so i think that that would be the the best thing to do and and 
the one thing that I hear a lot is people get a little worried about being claustrophobic. One thing I'll tell them is once you lose your senses where you, you there's no sight, there's no sound, there's not even touch because the temperature is 93.5 degrees, both air and water, so it's it's skin temperature neutral. Once you lose those senses, your body actually has a euphoria of floating in space because it can't comprehend what else could be happening. So as opposed to being claustrophobic, it feels like you're in the middle of infinity. And that's a very foreign feeling. And uh, so don't worry if you're claustrophobic, I would still encourage you to give it a shot. But as far as meditation, there's a lot of great apps that you can get for your phone. And if you've never meditated before, the easiest one to start, I would do one that has a body scan. Body scan is really good, even for the busy mind, you know, because a lot of people think they're bad at meditation. And mostly it's the people that are really good at meditation that because everybody thinks they're bad at meditation. So don't worry about it. Don't get frustrated with it. But a body scan is a really easy one. And it just focuses usually from your feet all the way up. And if nothing else, I promise you, you'll feel less stressed by the time you get done with it, but it starts getting you into that meditative space. And then you can start working with more advanced meditative techniques, but there is a lot of really solid apps that can help get you into that space. So the name of the one that you recommended is Body Scan. That's the name of the app? That's not the name of the app. That's actually just a type of meditation. Yeah, gotcha. I don't particularly have a recommendation, but once you get to that intermediate level, I would recommend that you check out a company called Muse, M-U-S-E. It's just a thing that I use and it's essentially a wearable, but it's a wearable EEG. And so it can actually give you biofeedback on how well you're meditating and it plays little games with you, it gamifies it so you actually can get better at meditation by using it. You're the third person who's mentioned the Muse on here. Yeah, it's a great way to hack your life for sure. They do little games on there where you, it incentivizes you to get better at meditation. What you'll find is when you're not using the Muse, you can get into that headspace so much easier because you've essentially created that pathway in your brain to get into that theta state quicker. Wow. So it gamifies it. You you have little things that you have to do to get into the theta state. When it starts reading those waves, uh, you hear birds chirping. And so essentially you're listening to the weather, right? So if your mind is very busy, you can hear storms and you hear rain. And as your mind quiets down, so does the weather. And then when you are really getting closer to that state, you'll start to hear birds chirping and you get scored based on the number of birds chirping. So while you're not eliminating all the thoughts from your brain, because you definitely want those birds to chirp, it is almost tricking your brain into how to get there quicker. It's incentivizing you. So... It's just a, a great little wearable that gives you the feedback. I think they're like $300, so they're they're an investment, but uh, if you have the money, it's well worth it. Yeah, and I'll make a recommendation for the app. I'll have the Muse, the link to the Muse on here. It's on two other episodes, one by Josh Trent, who is uh, the host of Wellness Force Radio. I got to connect you two guys because yeah. I know you'll have a good time. You'll vibe with each other. And then Tim Chang, who is the managing director of the Mayfield Venture Capital Fund. Oh, and he mentioned he talked, too, huh? Yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. Tim is a guy, they, they invest in early stage technology and they're all into that. So if he recommended it, it's obviously something that it's Silicon Valley endorsed, you know? So yeah. very cool, man. And Headspace is the meditation app that I'm using. I never thought of myself, I, I mean, I've done yoga, can get me into that headspace or get me into that state of mind rather. And so did jujitsu, but doing something for like 10 minutes, I, I just, I didn't know how to do that or how it would be, but I'm really impressed with headspace. So I'll have uh, that up and that's what I'm using. I'm not affiliated with them in any way, but I've been telling a lot of people about it because I was really impressed with the way it's situated and the usability factor. So uh, cool, man. Let's move on to that discussion about the plant medicine because I don't want to leave that on the table. Yeah, It's interesting to hear your perspective, Jason. I had a very different approach or not a very different upbringing. I was a rebel, so I experimented with a lot of entheogenics or hallucinogenics or 
whatever you want to call them. And I've experienced a lot of what people talked about. I did it in a way I read a lot of the psychology books on it by Timothy Leary, Terrence McKenna, way before Joe Rogan was talking about Terrence McKenna and all the other people. I had one of the earliest uh, versions of Alien Dream Time from Terrence McKenna. Mm. And, it, you know, I, I went through that then got away from it. And it's so interesting how ayahuasca is coming back into the consciousness of people again, because it was talked about in those days. In fact, William Burroughs wrote the Yaji letters, which Yaji was another, if yeah. I'm pronouncing it right, another way to say ayahuasca. And Giselle, who is my partner in more ways than one when it comes to legendary life, she's Brazilian and her father actually started drinking ayahuasca and that created a major breakthrough to the point where that's what caused him to give up alcohol and be more introspective about his life and thinking about how he could have done things better and what he can do now to become a better person. And he's involved in the religion with that. And Giselle and I have been talking about taking it, but what was your experience on it? And what do you have to say about anyone who is perhaps thinking about it or perhaps judging the hell out of you right now and thinking that you're a hippie, crazy drug, you know, new age drugged out crazy person? for yeah. lack of a better explanation, lack of a better term. Yeah, no, and I think, you know, that that is a perception that's out there, but I, it's definitely a perception that's changing. The first thing, you know, I'll start with your first question. First piece of advice I would give anyone, this is uh, very serious, is that in Peru or Brazil, but Peru was my experience, ayahuasca is a burgeoning market and it's growing very quickly and with that just like with any other market you have to be very careful because ayahuasca is such a powerful medicine it will get into the deepest recesses of your brain and cause you to face your fears and overcome hurdles and it is very powerful and when you think of it in that sense think of it like brain surgery and if you're going to do brain surgery you don't pick up a guy off a street corner and have him work on your brain. And so ayahuasca is the same thing. So I would just encourage everybody, if it's something that you want to do, make sure that you do your research, go to a reputable place with reputable shaman. There's several good ones down there. And, you know, I could recommend a couple, but there's also some that are very inexpensive. And I would just, when you're, you're dealing with your brain, I would in, invest the money and invest the time to make sure that you're going to the right place. Because... If you make the right decision about it, and um, it, as in my case, it was the single greatest decision that I ever have made or ever will make, no matter how good of a decision I make in the future. It was that powerful for me on every level. You know, I was afraid when I first went to Peru that it was going to change me. And what I came away with is found that it didn't change me at all. All it did was take away the stuff that was no longer serving me. Those gross things that live in all of our brains that maybe happened to us when we were little or some shame that we hung on to or uh, self-doubt that doesn't serve us anymore. It gets rid of the hurdles that we've put in place artificially for ourselves to achieve whatever we want to achieve. And that's what I got out of it. Yeah. Great, great story, because if you're just looking to party, it's not the right thing. It's, it's not like not that, that at all. And I've seen, I've seen ceremonies. I forget where her name is. Lisa Ling uh, yeah. did a special on Netflix, just a, an episode showing how showing taking these vets out to Peru and taking the medicine, taking the ayahuasca really helped with some of the PTSD with some of what they've been to. I just want to interject one thing because I'm not that knowledgeable about ayahuasca. But one thing I do know is that it, the two there's two things that get mixed together, the Banisteriopsis capi and then the uh, what's the other vine? So there's it, a, 
the the vine itself is actually called ayahuasca, but the vine is not psychoactive part. It's not the part that contains the DMT. The ayahuasca vine actually create is the MAOI inhibitor or MAOI, and the chacruna tree provides the leaves and berries that are the leaves that actually contain the DMT. The ayahuasca vine, the MAOI, makes it orally active so yeah. that it doesn't break down. Because if you just took the chacruna, it would break down in your stomach before it, it got in. Yeah, thanks for thanks for explaining that. And the MA, the Maui inhibitor, the monoamine oxidase inhibitor, that can be a problem depending on if you're on a antidepressant and what type of antidepressant you're on. So you really need to know what you're doing when you go down there because if you're on medication like that, you really need to have someone who knows about that because some people die every year and it's just because of that. It's not, it's just because of this, uh, you know, just being irresponsible and not putting uh, the due diligence. Anyway, um, what do you have to say about the, uh, the people who think that we're completely nuts right now and talking craziness? That's all right. You know, that's cool. It's different for everybody. What I will say though, is for when I was there, I was in a group of 30 people and there was not very many hippies. I was surrounded by uh, people that were presidents, vice presidents of companies. They were entrepreneurs. They were people looking to achieve something great in their lives and in the lives of other people. They were so intent and passionate about doing so that they were looking for ways to, to remove the hurdles that were in front of them that they had placed there for themselves. So really, I found that the group of, I went down there expecting it to be all hippies, to be honest. And (laughs) I thought maybe I was just like this hopefully early adapter or chance taker when I went down there the first time. But I learned that was not the case, that the people down there were in a very similar position to me where they were either looking to overcome some trauma, whether that be from childhood or PTSD, or they were looking just for better self-awareness. But the one thing I guess I would say is just because it's a plant, let's not say it's not technology. I think about the psychology books that we have out there. And if anybody is familiar with psychology books, you know, we have the DSM, the manual that they use, and they're on volume six. So for sure, something in volume one wasn't right. So so let's just uh, let's just put it in context and make a couple of assertions about humanity. We're at the smartest time in the history of humanity. We know more than we knew yesterday. We certainly know more than we did 20 years ago. So just because of the progression of humanity, we have to make the logical assumption that in 20 years, we're going to know more than we did today. So I don't think any of us should ever be so arrogant as to not be open-minded enough to explore at least from an educational level, what might be those things that we learn in 20 years. After all, it should be all of our goals to try to be on the right side of history. You know, if, if there's a belief pattern or something that we have that we know in 100 years from now, they're going to look back and be like, man, that was a very antiquated way of thinking. Why not be visionary? Why not look to the future and try to find the new pathway? And I am very confident that uh, the responsible use of plant medicine will definitely be something that will be validated in the future. I think we're already seeing it in a, in a lot of ways with with uh, how successful aboga and ibogaine have been. Over ninety percent uh, success rate in curing heroin addiction, or ayahuasca is great in roads with curing depression. You know, I I just think that even anecdotally, the numbers are just too massive to logically ignore. So if somebody was saying that, you know, somebody's going down there just for a drug trip, I would encourage them to watch a documentary about ayahuasca because you go through several tough, tough nights where you may see yourself die. You may face your inner demons. It can get dark at times, but it's also the most beautiful thing that you'll ever experience. You can experience pure love and and really get into a headspace that that you wouldn't otherwise be able to get to that keeps working with you as you move forward. But during the ceremony, 
it's a purgative as well. So you will vomit. Some people uh, work out the other end and it can be rough, but it's never going to become a recreational drug. And it's definitely not something you just do for fun. It is definitely medicine. And like any other medicine, when used responsibly and in the moderation and dosage that's necessary, it can have life-changing implications. Yeah. All about that set, that setting and the intention that you bring to the experiment. Yeah. Very cool, man. Thanks for explaining that. I've only talked about it once before on this show in over two years and over 200 episodes. So I love hearing your perspective because you're a guy who's was at the pinnacle of your career in hospitality. And now you're at another pinnacle and, and an even cooler, you know, company. And it's interesting to hear that. And for you listening right now, just keep an open mind for this stuff because you're going to hear more about it. You're going to hear a lot more about all types of things as our society starts to change more. And as we look outside of television, alcohol, you know, making more money mm. to try to make ourselves feel more at peace with the world, to feel more at peace inside of ourselves. In fact, you and I, we had a discussion on our phone call, which was an awesome call. And I'm really enjoying this interview so much, Jason. And we were talking about how people go down these paths in their life where it's just about more, more, more. And that's in part created some of the problems, the, the financial crisis that happened here in the United States. People just wanted more, more, more. They weren't being aware I watched the big short, the movie, and just, mm. it was unbelievable the amount of just, just people thought everything was fine and they weren't paying attention to it. And that's just kind of how, that's like the old school mentality. And, and people like we talked about earlier are growing tired of it and want to move to something that's more human centered and that giving us all a great experience and the freedom to be more of ourselves can you talk about the trap that some people get caught in? Because you could have stayed in that job as the general manager and this just started drinking more alcohol or who knows what else to, to try to fill that emptiness inside of you. So for someone who's feeling that right now or perhaps going down that path where they're looking for something, but they're going down, they're, they're looking for more meaning, more fulfillment, but they're perhaps getting sucked into the idea that making a bunch of money is going to fix them or, you know, dating more women or having more relationships, dating more women for the guys or finding that one for the women listening. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think, you know, I talked about uh, a minute ago, I changing what we think of as the term of technology. The other term I think we need to change what it means is the term of medicine. When they say laughter is the best medicine, and the reason they say that is because laughter evokes a lot of things. It actually releases dopamine and it makes you feel better. And so essentially in laughter can be an antidepressant, right? And when you think of medicine in that way, music's a medicine. Who doesn't have that song they can put on and just feel great because it changes your mood? Well, everything can be really a medicine. And when you even look at money, it's a medicine because, man, flat out being poor sucks. I grew up to a single mother making 201 an hour as a waitress before she was working in hotels, right? And and we didn't have a car and we were poor and we were on food stamps and that sucks. There's no denying that being poor is bad for your health. And so money can fix that. And so money in moderate doses is a very good thing. But just like anything else, just like with the medicine, alcohol can be a medicine. It can put you in a very good mood, make you more social, make you have more fun. I'm down with that too. But just like any medicine, it can turn into a poison with excess. And money is no different than alcohol or any other medicine. If you have too much of it, it can be bad for your health. 
and or I should say not too much of it, but too much of a thirst for it, right? And because when you start chasing money, it's essentially an unwinnable game because there is infinite money. You are not going to get it all. And once you get to a certain point, the, the search for money, is it just becomes pure greed. And being it's really important to be self-reflective of where you're at in your life to make sure that that doesn't become an addiction because just like any other addiction, it actually leaves you more poor than you were to begin with, but it leaves you poor on a different level. It leaves you poor either emotionally, psychologically, possibly physically. And so, you know, everything in moderation, I used to kind of scoff at that a little bit because I used to like to really be aggressive with everything. But I really think that I'm revisiting that because I think everything in moderation is actually a, a good moniker for living a legendary life. Awesome. And thanks for that plug right there. Yeah, fit it in. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, the check's in the mail for that. Appreciate it. Every time. Yeah. Get a little so, more money for it every time I say it. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, man. Thanks so much for that because I really love your perspective, Jason. You have this experience in this way of communicating it that's that I mean I'm I'm just pumped up for this interview. I want to finish off with some of your success habits because obviously you're a guy who takes care of business. You became the GM of the top hotel in your city. That I don't think a lot of people perhaps even realize what that entails but like you said at the beginning when when you shared your story it's like being the mayor of a city although your constituents uh, change a lot perhaps mm-hmm. even every day yeah so what have you learned in your journey what habits have you picked up to keep you performing at your peak that is the million dollar question for everybody right you know And I think it may be different for everybody, but there's a couple of universal truths that I've come to. The first one being the best advice I had ever heard, and I give it to myself every day. It's not what happens to you, but it's how you react to it. It's the most important thing because you, everybody should look at their life like a choose your own adventure book. And you get everything that comes at you, you get to determine which way you go. Do you react positively or negatively? And just like choose your own adventure, you start flipping pages and that takes you on a different journey. And when you think of it, think of it like a tree where the tree branches out and it goes all the way to the left, all the way to the right, front, back. And the more time that you can be choosing to respond to something positively, the better off you're going to be. You're going to be a better part of your story. And if you respond negatively, it's okay. Just get back on track because there's still a pathway all the way over to the positive side of things. It's really important for a lot of reasons. It's important because people judge you based on your reactions as well. If you're the calm, I do leader. I do. If yeah. people lose their cool because of something small, I'm like, mm, I know exactly. I, I know made a snap judgment. Is. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and you know uh, that old saying is not what you know, it's who you know, and and that's kind of used as a negative saying, but it's not. I mean, it's not what you know, it's who you know. More importantly, it's who knows you, because the opportunities that come to you later in life are rarely because of your resume and more often because of who you know and whether whether that be a job or a business deal or whatever it is. And most times people want to relate to people that they want to be like or with. And those people are generally serving more admirable ideals. And that's consistent, calm leadership. And it is being around people that are positive and people that are inspiring, right? And so I think it's very important that you realize that that even in your small decisions, you should always try to choose positivity, always try and choose the high road, even if it seems like it is a short-term detriment to do so. That'd be number one. Wow. Uh, that's number, a hell of a number one. That's a, <laughs> that's that's good. A, I mean, I think that's probably the most important, important one. And I, I, I could stop there. And I think, you know, we'd all be 
80% of the way on our journey if we just focused on that one. But there's another one that I think is crucially important, and that is be introspective, knowing who you are and being comfortable with your strengths and your faults will help you improve your faults and strengthen your strengths. But you have to be honest with yourself. I mean, we all know those people that that's where the phrase, I wish that guy could take a look in the mirror. You know, there's a reason that's a saying is because for whatever reason, there's some people that are not realizing their impact on the people around them. And because of that, I was talking about the drops in the water. Those are a lot of negative drops. And that that is acts as a repellent towards everything from people to relationships to opportunities. And it's important that that you do a self-assessment of yourself all the time to make sure that you are essentially manifesting the desired outcomes that you want to be happening around you. Yeah, that's a powerful one. And absolutely nothing worse than someone who's completely unaware of what they're doing. I mean, if you want to piss everyone off, at least have that be your priority, right? Like, oh, I'm accomplishing my goal, spreading negativity. But some people are so unaware and just clueless about their impact on other people. I I have to say, I think men are more guilty of that than women. But uh, that's another important one as well. And the flotation, the meditation, or even the ayahuasca are all technologies that can help you get a hold of that. Jason, you work for a super company or super health wellness company on it. Where does health and fitness fall into your routine as being the COO? Yeah. You know, let me just start by saying that on it is the, and this isn't even shameless. This is just true. It is the most positive work environment I could have ever imagined because just like the law of attraction says, you know, positivity, you know, is going to breed more positivity. And it's just such a supportive and great workplace. So it makes it very easy to be there and it makes it very easy to strive for total human optimization, which is the motto and mantra of Onnit. And, you know, I think of total human optimization even more broadly than, than just exercise. Obviously, like the benefits of exercise are undeniable, both aerobic and aerobic workouts have tremendous benefits psychologically as well as physically. And then I also look at that as your mental acuity and and function. That's where things like yoga and the float tanks come in. And when if you look at on it is total human optimization, it's you know, we started with the place that most people end. We started with the supplementation. But then we got into nutrition with the uh, earth-grown nutrient foods and then got into physical fitness with our unconventional fitness systems and certifications. And then we got into that mental, emotional, dare I say, spiritual realm with, uh, with our chain of yoga studios and, and float tanks. And so I think everybody should look at that as a, a total picture because, and, and don't, let's not forget our big one that we spend a third of our life doing and that's sleeping. If you can complete that circle. A lot of times we only focus on one or two parts of that. And uh, it is a a full circle. You need to, if you're going to exercise, make sure you back it up with great sleep. And if you're going to exercise and sleep and work hard, make sure that you get some time to meditate because everything has to be working right. You know, one of the, the, the big things, I think the biggest story of this decade is going to be mental health. You see it with drug abuse and heroin abuse. You see it with the military, with PTSD. You see it in the NFL, very big right now with concussions. You see it with aging and Alzheimer's and dementia. We're crossing a line where brain health is going to be as prominent as heart health and as physical health has been for a while, nutritional health. And so I just think it's really important that people back up a little bit and take a broad view to their overall wellness. Wow, that is a powerful answer, man. Jason, I feel like we could keep going for 
a long time, but I think it would be better to have you back on the show to dive into more specifics of, like you said, the flotation tank, the wellness programs you guys are doing and all the other things that you do to keep you at your best. But Jason, I'm blown away, man. This was such an incredible interview. I've had such a great time and I've learned so much and you're such a, I don't know, you just got a vibe. I'm not surprised at all that Aubrey just hired you and and made you the chief operating officer of on it. I'm not surprised at all after spending these or having these conversations with you. So thank you so much for coming on, sharing your story, sharing your time, sharing your knowledge, and ultimately helping inspire people and showing a perspective of what could be if they embrace some of these changes going on right now, some of the, mm-hmm. this consciousness awakening that we're experiencing, where would you like people to go if they want to learn more about you or listen to your show, Spinning Logic? Where's yeah. the best place? Yeah, thanks. Well, they're welcome to just start at jasonhavy.com, J-A-S-O-N-H-A-V as in Victor, E-Y. Dot com. That's where you can get links to all the podcast stuff. And I'm going to start blogging some more. Eventually, there'll be a, a little YouTube channel associated with it. So that's where I would start. And then also, you know, one last thing that I, I just feel compelled to say is everything's going to be okay. You know, and I think that, it, that if if you get nothing from this podcast other than that, just tell yourself that every once in a while because sometimes the highs get too high, sometimes the lows get too low, but everything's going to be all right because, you know, you're you. If you're listening to this podcast, you're already on the right path. You're already searching for whatever it is that that your end goal is, and just because you're searching for it, it'll be all right. So don't beat yourself up too much. Just know that you're on the right track. You'll get there. Awesome, man. I was going to ask you for some last words, but you just gave them powerful words. Everything is going to be okay. You are listening to a show while others are watching, I don't know, Netflix series, and uh, which is cool to do sometimes, and getting their news, quote unquote news from CNN, Fox, MSNBC. It doesn't matter which one, pick any. You are listening to something with people like Jason coming on and sharing their inspiration and knowledge. Man, thank you again, Jason. I will have all the links to what we talked about as well as your website in the show notes. And man, we, we've got to have a beer and we've got to do this again. We've got to meet up. We'll have some organic, like gluten-free, uh, I don't know, <laughs> superfood beer if that exists or perhaps we'll on it can make it, right? If it exists, it exists in Austin, Texas. We'll find some. (laughs) (laughs) All right, my man. Great connecting, and I know I'll be speaking to you soon. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it a lot. Thank you. Wow, what an amazing interview. And let's get into some of the takeaways. My first takeaway from this interview was the ability to get clarity. Now, Jason talked about how he went into the jungles and did the ayahuasca thing, but he also said it wasn't necessary. You can do a flotation tank, perhaps a silent retreat that's become so popular that my guest uh, Tim Chang mentioned, or something that can disconnect you from your daily routine to help you get some clarity and some introspection to better guide you on this journey that you're on, this one life that you have to live. I thought that was an incredible takeaway. Another incredible takeaway was how on it has created that corporate culture. Most people, when they go to work, they can't stand to be at work. It's simply a necessary evil so they can make some money to pay bills. But on it has created a type of environment where people are excited to go to work. And if you can imagine, if you could create that in the business that you own or the business that you work in, imagine how successful that company could be if people actually enjoyed being there, actually enjoyed working and and furthering the mission of the corporation. And 
like Jason and I talked about, that is the future. Gone or, or not gone yet, but we will get to the point, I believe, where the whole idea of, oh, well, you have to slave away for me because I need to go buy some stuff. I need to buy, I have a hundred foot yacht, but now I want a 150 foot yacht. And I used to buy million dollar paintings, but now I need $5 million paintings. And I need some more supercars and all that material stuff, that hoarding really. And people aren't inspired by that. People want to be a part of something that means something greater. And there's a reason that people aren't inspired by material stuff. Like I talked about in my taking smart risks talk, we simply, we don't get the gratification from it. It only makes you happy for a little while and then you need more. And then it's trying to fill that empty pit, that bottomless pit. It's not empty, but it's certainly bottomless. There's just no way to get enough material stuff to create the neurochemical changes in our brain to cause our happiness set point, our hedonic set point to raise up to a higher level. Yet being part of a mission that is about making the world a better place in some way or, or giving back in some way or furthering something that people can get behind. Now that's something that will cause a change in people. It connects with us at the deepest level to inspire us to give our best because we're working for something bigger than ourselves. That's going to be a huge change in business, I believe. Sounds airy-fairy or perhaps a little woo-woo to some of you, but mark my words, we're going to see a shift in that direction in the U.S. at least and probably perhaps most Western countries because the old ways are kind of dying out. We, we realized those guys didn't have it all figured out. In fact, they didn't have it figured out at all. They went down some roads that led them to lack of fulfillment, like Jason originally went down when he became the GM of Hilton. So the last takeaway is hearing about the different ways that Onnit is investing to be part of this idea of total human optimization. They're not just investing in workout equipment and food and supplements, but things like flotation tanks and yoga, and I'm sure they may even get into meditation or, or some other things, but it's really about how to optimize the experience, optimize the upkeep of us as human beings. And I want to ask you, like, what do you do besides exercise, besides taking some supplements, but besides eating clean or paleo or low carb or ketogenic or whatever diet you're following? Besides that, what do you do? What do you do for your mental health? What do you do to build your mental six-pack like Tim Chang talked about in his episode? So those were the three biggest takeaways. I'm going to wrap things up because it's been over an hour and 13 minutes now. I thank you so much for listening. And I want to also let you know that the next guest is going to be Ryan Madges. And Ryan has an incredible story. He's from Australia and he built a seven-figure business at a very young age or at the very young age of 21. And you're going to hear what inspired him to make that happen, what lessons he learned along the way that he can share for you so that you can apply it into your own life and, and more. So hope you look forward to that and I'll talk to you on the next episode. <laughs>